I believe that my time here is scheduled at least until the end of the year. What you have to look forward to in this last quarter is a transitional piece at least. But when I say transitional piece, I don't believe that this church should slow down in its passion and purpose of reaching your community for Christ. Did you catch that? We shouldn't be just tearing and waiting for what's going to happen because Christ will be moving and working through your lives each and every day until the end of the year and even after that as well. Having said that, I need your help to be effective during this time. I can do it, but I can't do it as well as if I have your help. I need your help in at least two areas. One is prayer and the other is participation. Prayer and participation. Prayer and participation. How many of you will pray daily for your church to be about the mission? Oh, we're in trouble. Either you have hands that are heavy, or maybe you have a hearing difficulty. How many of you will pray for your church? How many of you, with the same indication, will participate in the purpose and mission of your church? Let me make it real easy. I believe in difficult things made simple. It works like this. Join me just once with this practice. It's a kinesthetic thing. Breathe in. Breathe out. Let's try that again. Breathe in. Breathe out. Now let's try this. When you breathe in, say prayer. Breathe in. That's kind of hard, isn't it? Let's try it. It's almost like you're gasping. One more time. Now what do you think you're going to say when you exhale? Participation. Let's try it just for fun. In. Participation out. One more time. Prayer in, participation out. Now let me ask you, will you remember to breathe next week? I hope so. Will you please remember to pray and to participate in the mission of the church? Because God has a purpose and a passion that this community of faith might move forward. There is over a hundred and... You know, I've driven by that sign on I-5 so many times, 120, 150,000 now. How many people in the valley? Well over 140,000 in the valley. These pews can use a few more. They'll come as you invite them. May we be blessed as we open God's Word together today. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith 
into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? It's an amazing thing, this thing called Christianity, to be a follower of Christ and to unpackage all that, all that that means. Stephen Covey, a popular author, says, begin with the ending in mind. So I'm going to take you to the end, and then we're going to go to the beginning, okay? If you're looking at your bulletin insert for just a minute, you'll see that we have three sections here, Reconciled Righteous Redemption, and in the bottom, Jesus, all. When you think about what it means to be a Christian, the bottom ending is what it is all about. Because if what we believe and if our behavior is not focused on Christ, and our lives are in Christ, we've missed it. Do you believe that? As I looked at Romans chapter 5, uh, 5 and some other passages, it became clear to me that one of the amazing things of God's goodness and grace is reconciliation. The bigger picture beyond that which we believe applies to ourselves is the universal picture on how God relates to us. Reconciliation is an interesting thing. It has a ring to it that is pleasing to the ears. Reconciliation needed by friends who perhaps have had a falling out. For a parent and a child relationship, that have strained relationships. Reconciliation has a ring that will heal marriages where there is bitterness and distance and pain. Reconciliation, such an easy word that rolls off the Christian's lip, but sometimes so difficult 
to apply in our, in our lives in a practical way. Reconciliation is a beautiful word. Reuniting those who are so extreme, uh, ex- so ex- tongue tied. Thank you. I'll get it over with early in my relationship with you. Extreme, ex- help me out, Pete. Extranged. Thank you. <laughs> the enmity is gone. Once where there was hate and anger, there is peace. The scriptures, though, in Romans chapter 5, speak first of the vertical relationship between God and man in the reconciliation. If you have your scriptures, I just want to point out two verses in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That strikes me as both hopeful and sort of odd, don't you think? Wouldn't it be seemingly more appropriate if it said Christ died for those who loved him and are honoring him and are seeking him? We would anticipate that it would say that. But the truth is, friends, our natural character does not see Christ. You sinful human men and women do not seek the things of God. And the hope that we have here in Romans chapter 5 is that while we were deep in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. That gives me hope. How about you? I don't like to be called ungodly. But in the morning when I look in the mirror, in the quietness of the night, I realize as I take inventory, many times I've wandered far away from God during that day. And I just find myself distanced away from God. But I find the hope that as far as I've wandered away, Christ is still there calling me back, hoping that I'll be reconciled to him. He's proactively seeking me while I'm not seeking him. I find my hope in the realization that God is proactive, chasing after me. If I will just turn and look to him, he welcomes me back into a relationship with him. Do you believe that to be the case in your life? Now I'm going to go to meddling a little bit, and I'm going to really sink deep. I believe in some ways. The real problem in reconciliation is not so much with those around you that you need to be reconciled with, but the reconciliation that must take place between your soul and God's heart. The part of your life that is only known between you and God. It's the vertical part, the part that we hide from others. But God looks down and sees and penetrates your thoughts and looks into your heart and he knows what you need. But it's as you open your heart to him that he comes calling and he comes pleading once again. It's that vertical relationship 
that will bring you hope. It's that vertical relationship that will bring you healing. It's that vertical relationship that will give purpose to your life. Then when that relationship is healed, when that relationship is made strong, it's the horizontal relationships that find their bearing and healing. That out of your life flows not anger, hardship, bitterness, but out of your life flows goodness, grace, and love for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for your boss, for your fellow church members, for your neighbors. Did I leave somebody out? Well, you know what I mean. I believe you've got the point that it is the vertical relationship of reconciliation to God that fills our hearts with peace and draws us into a relationship with Him. But it doesn't stop there. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I must check my notes here. It doesn't stop there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Christ asks us to take that hope that we have, that he places within our hearts, to reach out to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, how many? All things become new. I like that. I like that. I can be new just like that. If I yield my life right now to Christ, if I continue to yield my life, when I run into difficulty, I say, Lord, just take my life. All things become new. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given to us the ministry of, what does the Bible say? The ministry of what? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. Of reconciliation. Oh, you wonder what your calling is of God? Your calling is a ministry of reconciliation. First to be reconciled to God and then horizontally to be reconciled to your brothers and sisters in Christ and those who do not know Christ, to bring them into a reconciled relationship with you that you might lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. To wit, that God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now we are the ambassadors for, what does the Bible say? For who? We are the ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ did beseech you by us, we pray. You and Christ did, be ye reconciled to God. Our calling is to be reconciled to God and to be ambassadors for Him. An amazing invitation, isn't it? It's an amazing invitation, isn't it? Yes. Come on! Is it an amazing invitation? Yes. Are you ever hesitant to embrace that? Well, I'm shy. I don't know what I would say. Believe it to the preacher. He's been schooled and educated. Let me tell you, you will reach people this week that a pastor will never be able to reach. You who are in 10th grade, you who are in 4th grade, you who are older than I am, younger than I am, you will reach people that I will not be able to reach in my lifetime.
I will guarantee you, if everybody here goes forth from this place, we have 150, 60 people here today, goes forth from this place, and you talk to one person about Christ, that would be 750 contacts. I will guarantee you that if I stayed up 24 hours a day, I would not be able to do that. But Christ is depending on you. Christ is depending on you. He's depending on me to do my part as your spiritual guide and leader, but he's depending on you to do your part. You are to be an ambassador for Christ, an ambassador for Christ, bringing people into what is your work? Say what? Oh, I wish it were a different work. I really do. Because it would be easier. If all I had to do was tell them what the gospel is about and invite them, that would be easier. But you've got to take reconciliation internally before you can share it externally. Does that make sense? If it's not working for you, don't expect it to work for somebody else. So I've got to ask you the question today. How is it working? How is it working, folks, in your life? How tight are you with Jesus? How close are you with Jesus? How reconciled are you? We're going to look in our next two parts about how to be reconciled and how to grow in our faith. Our second scripture reading is in Romans five, seventeen to twenty-one. For if by for if by the trespass of one man death reign through that of one man, how many more will those who receive God's abundant provisions of Christ and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in the condemnation of all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also great grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Having been reconciled to Christ, how shall we live then, is the question. And the response by Paul is, we should live righteous lives. The problem, though, is whose righteous life? And who determines what is righteousness? Is it this view of righteousness by a group in the community of believers? Or is it this group's view of righteousness 
in the community of believers. And I'm going to suggest to you today, to get to the core of the matter, it's not our righteousness, but it's Christ's righteousness. It's not what we do or what we think, but what he has done. And that righteous living is not that something, something that exists within us by our own power, but it's a gift of God that he gives us his righteousness to proclaim to a perishing world. Two verses in your Bible, if you're following along, underline in your Bible. You've got permission. Just, just write in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, take one out of the pew. Put your name in the front of it. Take it home and study it this week. Bring it back and use the pew Bible. Verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one who? Jesus Christ. That as sin reigned unto death, even so, verse 21, so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Reconciled through Christ, made righteous and empowered to do righteously and live a righteous life through Christ. We will see the redemption that comes through Christ. The scripture reading is found in Colossians 1, 9 through 25. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful Joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, 
This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. There's nothing that carries more authority than the Word of God. We could stop right here and just leave, let that linger in your mind. We look at reconciliation. We consider righteousness. But we also must consider the cost of redemption. And I'd like to close our time together and look at verses 20 through 25 in a summary fashion. Because the question comes up as you're living the Christian walk, as it does day by day. How then shall we live? What shall we do in our hour of need? Where do we find the strength to overcome the evil one? How do we resist the temptation? And I'm going to suggest you resist the temptation by going to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because on the cross, when Jesus died for your sins and my sins, he sealed the fate of Satan. And the power of the cross to do that is powerful in your life today. Quit trying to fight it on your own and let the blood of Jesus be poured into your life and Satan will flee. Do you believe it, friends? Do you believe it? The assurance is made sure. So let these words, verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of the flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unprovable in his sight, unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in faith, grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoices in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is made of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore, I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So, friends, today, you've heard the word proclaimed. It's not fanciful thought, human psychology, it's not just a line of betterment that we wish for you. It is the word of God that has been spoken into your life. It is the word of God that takes seed in your life. It is the word of God that goes forward with you. If you have your Bibles underlined in the margin, that passage that we just read, because it was on the cross 
that Jesus died for your sins. And it's on the cross through the power of his blood that you have power to live for him. How's it going to be tomorrow, friends? Where are you going to turn? Going to call up somebody? Oh, I've got a problem. I need to, I need an answer. I need a solution. It's good to have some counselors. It's good to seek your Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to open your Bible and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with that enemy? You want me to love him? Her? Be reconciled? Yep, that's what I want you to do. I can't do it, Lord. Come to my cross. See that you crucified me anew. What have they done to you? See that your sins were forgiven. Why don't you forgive their sins? Lord, my heart is broken as I come to you today, and that's all I can bring is brokenness. But you promised if I come to you, I'll find great power in the cross. Jesus. 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 Jesus is all. And that's enough. Let us pray. Father, today, today, Father, as followers of you, we have found our forgiveness. We have found our hope of reconciliation, of empowerment through you. We find great power in the blood of Jesus. As we go forth from this place, empower us by your Spirit. Give us the boldness of Christ to share the amazing love that he has bestowed upon us, that we might draw others to the foot of the cross as well, that we might lift up Jesus, and as we do so, Father, that all might be drawn unto him. So, Father, I want to uphold a special group of people in our midst today, those who are wondering, what's it all about anyway? I've gone through so much. I'm so disillusioned. I just don't know what to do. Father, draw close to them. Keep them in your word. Reconcile their spirit with your spirit. Reconcile our life. Pour into our lives your power, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, that will carry us forward. In Jesus, we have all. Amen.